We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. All right, it is week 11 of Lines and Lineups. Holden Kushner here alongside Kevin Rogers from Vegas Insider and Dan Bach from Roto Grinders. How's it going, boys? Week 11 already, so we're cruising through it. K-Rodge, week 10, quick, uh, a quick recap of your week 10. How'd it go? It started well, it went well, and then it ended poorly. I had the Raiders Thursday. I had the Titans, the Bears, and the Falcons on Sunday. I really liked Atlanta. I thought that was a good spot for them. And the Titans, obviously, was a bit of a lucky uh, victory. And then I had San Francisco on Monday night. I felt good up 10 nothing, And then the Jimmy Garoppolo fumble, Clowney touchdown, kind of turned it around. And obviously, it was an excellent game. But San Francisco had no shot to cover, I thought, after that fumble return for a touchdown. Dan and DFS basically had to have Christian Kirk. If you had Lamar Jackson, Michael Thomas, and Christian Kirk, you were doing pretty well, weren't you? Yeah, you know, it was a really bad week for tournaments for me because uh, I played Saquon Barkley in like 90% of my lineups, and uh, he sucked. The good news was the cash lineup I had on DraftKings did have Christian Kirk, did have Lamar Jackson, so I could kind of overcome that bad week by Barkley. Um, But it's it's hard, you know, when you when you pay up for for guys like that and they uh, and and they basically just totally bust, you're you're in trouble. So. Not a great week, but uh, this is the big week. This is the big semifinal week for the uh, King of the Beach on DraftKings. So I got one ticket on that. Got to finish, I think, like the top 40% to uh, to join K-Raj down in uh, South Florida next weekend. So uh, so that's the plan. Nice. I hope you win. Uh, Roto-Grinder, single entry series on FanDuel. We got five $33 and $100 buy-in. So I've uh, been playing that, at least in the smaller amounts. So let's get into this. We got New Orleans, Tampa Bay. What we do here on the show, let me just tell you real quick. We go to K-Rod for the betting side of things. We go to Dan for the DFS side of things. So New Orleans at Tampa Bay, Houston at Baltimore is our second game. New England at Philly, which will be in the primetime window at 425. It'll be Romo and and Nance, I would think. Dallas, Detroit, and Cincinnati at Oakland. Why? I gave you four games, Dan. Why Cincinnati at Oakland? Well, it's got uh, the team that's projected to score the highest number of points on the entire slate. That'll I think do that's it. Relevant for DFS. I think that's very relevant. Let's start with New Orleans, as you say that with a smirk on your face. New Orleans at Tampa Bay. We'll start there. The Saints uh, covered six in a row until they go, they all, they went all the way Saquon Barkley in Week Ten. I mean, they stunk up the joint twenty six to nine. They're still six to three against the spread, though. K. Rod, so give me a little New Orleans at Tampa Bay, as uh, you would think we got another high scoring game. Well, that was a big survivor pull killer on Sunday. If you had the Saints thinking you would just advance and uh, go to the next week because the Falcons have been so bad. But, of course, the Falcons stepped up defensively. And, you know, they still have Matt Ryan. They still have Julio Jones, still have Devontae Freeman. And it was a good win for the Falcons. But, you know, as far as the Saints go, they're still in good shape in that NFC South. They didn't end up 
uh, Carolina ended up uh, getting any ground on them. So that was good news for them. But a couple notes on this game. Tampa Bay outlasted Arizona 30-27 to end their four-game skid. They didn't cover, though, as five-and-a-half-point favorites. So it's now an 0-5 ATS run. For the Buccaneers, the last time they covered a game was that 55-40 victory against the Rams in Los Angeles. So it tells you how long ago Tampa Bay did cover. Now, for New Orleans, amazingly, this is the first time they're listed as a road favorite this season. Hmm. Now, granted, the last three times out was all with Teddy Bridgewater at Chicago, at Jacksonville, and at Seattle, and the Rams game, which Drew Brees played in that he got hurt. Obviously, the Rams were favored in that one. So, you do have New Orleans as a road favorite for the first time this season. And Tampa Bay, they are a home underdog for the first time this season. We're not going to count that Carolina game that was in London since Tampa Bay was listed as the home team there. But uh, the Buccaneers, even against San Francisco back in week one, I mean, think about how much things have changed. The Buccaneers were a one-point favorite against the 49ers back in week one, and now they are an underdog against the Saints. Second time these teams are playing this season, New Orleans did beat Tampa Bay with Bridgewater at the Superdome, 31-24, but the game wasn't as close as the final score indicated. But I do think that the Buccaneers have a little bit of uh, momentum from last week and beating Arizona. Obviously, they go from Kyler Murray to now Drew Brees, but uh, I never like the, well, the Buccaneers, or rather the Saints lost as a big home favorite last week, so they're going to go out and beat Tampa Bay this week. I think that Tampa Bay can hang in this game. I think Tampa Bay could even beat New Orleans outright. I don't think that that's crazy. I just look at this scenario here with New Orleans, and I think it's going to be a big public play on the Saints. You know, do you even take into account that the Saints are 6-3 and three against the spread, Arizona's 2-7 and seven against the spread? Does that even matter? Oh, Tampa Bay, you meant. Hold it. Tampa Bay, excuse me. Uh, Yes, that has something to do with it, but also at the same time, if you look back at some of the ATS losses, I mean, the Seattle game, we know they, they should have won that one. The Tennessee game on the road, they had that touchdown that was called back. So, and even the Giants game, they were up 18 points in that Giants game. That was the Daniel Jones breakthrough game back in week three. So, a couple of those they got burned on at the end. And really, their worst loss was that Carolina game in London when Jameis Winston had the seven turnovers. So, that doesn't look good. Uh, in the overall, but at the same time, Tampa Bay has been more competitive than their record indicates. That Arizona game did go back and forth this past Sunday, but uh, it, it doesn't scare me off just because of the situation with them finally getting points at home and the Saints being a road favorite for the first time. Hey, Dan, DFS perspective here. Drew Brees is priced up to the second highest uh, priced quarterback on DraftKings at FanDuel. So, Listen, we know the home road splits. He did lay an egg at home last week. Tampa Bay is just horrendous, uh, especially against the pass. They can stop the run all right. But what do you do with Drew Brees? Yeah, it's a tough one um, because uh, what's the likelihood we're going to see two complete stink bombs from Brees in back-to-back games, especially when you've got Tampa here who has given it up all season long in the past game. So, uh, you know, you I think he's a good play, but I think it kind of depends on where you're at. Like, if you're on FanDuel, I'm probably just paying up and going to get Lamar Jackson. But the spread on DraftKings is a, is significant enough that I think it puts him more in play there. But his last three games in Tampa have not been particularly great. 16 fantasy points, 14 fantasy points, and 7. And I think that goes kind of back to those home road splits. But again, this Tampa defense, they just got rid of one of their starting corners in, in Vernon Hargrave, just cut him outright today. So, you know, I think the pass game is fine, but the, the problem is, like, we want to play Michael Thomas. Uh, he is really priced up on DraftKings. I mean, they've got him at 9900 So uh, 1900 more than the second highest priced wide receiver on the slate. So I think that's a tough button to press in, in cash games. So if you're a believer there, you're probably best just to go with Drew Brees. But I think the interesting thing is, like, can we find somebody else maybe on the cheap in this offense? Uh, They're going to score some points here. And it's hard to press Alvin Kamara right now just simply because uh, that defense of Tampa Bay against the run has been really, really good so far this season. But um, I think a guy like Jared Cook could be interesting. He had 10 targets last week, 89 air yards. Um, And if you want a super deep sleeper, uh, to play with Drew Brees that's not named Michael Thomas. Traquan Smith played 83% of the snaps 
He's uh, definitely a, a value guy that I think you can put into your game stacks that not a lot of people are going to play. Because remember, you know, Tampa this season, most fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, second most to quarterbacks. Yeah, and I, I think with Teddy Ginn dropping a couple more passes, we know that's been a problem his whole career, but he's just so explosive. I think Trey Kwan, uh, I like that call. Tampa Bayside, it seems as though Mike Evans is starting to spread a little bit from Godwin, isn't he? If Are you going to – Look at those, bit. yeah, a little bit there. And how much, how much um, Godwin and Evans do you think you'll be exposed to at least early in the week here? Yeah, this is a tough, tough spot because um, you know if you're just playing like one lineup, you're not playing them both. And it's like, how do you know in a given week who it's going to be? I mean, Evans certainly has had those big weeks, but we've got Godwin who's uh, still getting a ton of volume. You know, target wise, air yards wise, kind of right in line with what we saw with Evans last week. So. Uh, and the price between them is only like a couple hundred bucks, so it's not even a discount from one to the other. So uh, I think it's kind of like flipping a coin, getting equal exposure to both. Um, but O.J. Howard's the one guy that broke out last week, 99% of snaps, uh, saw his uh, season high, seven targets, got a touchdown. He's only 3,600 on DraftKings, 5,300 on FanDuel. I think he's a pretty elite value at tight end, which uh, is definitely a, a spot that I'm preferring saving on here lately. Yeah, I was going to bring him up. I mean, it was against Arizona, though, and they're a sieve against tight ends. Admittedly, true, but the good thing was this was coming off, what, injury and I think bye week, and it seemed like there was more game plan to get him involved, and they won the game. He was, you know, they played well. Uh, I would be surprised to see them not continue that. Will they have success against a defense that's not the Cardinals? I don't know. We'll wait and see, but I still think for the price, under 4000 on DraftKings, like – that's going to open up some some other positions for you, so I'm okay. Uh, last but not least, Ronald Jones got into the end zone. Are you buying Ronald Jones this week? No, I'm not. Uh, price neither. went up. Only played 47% of snaps last week, so I, I think that's an easy fade. All right, uh, K-Raj, again, we got the spread at uh, four with, uh, what was it, five and a half, excuse me, to open at five, New Orleans, uh, get New Orleans between five and a half, six. The over-under, though, open at 51, now it's between 50 and 50 and a half. Talk to me about this game total. I do like the under here, Holden, and it's almost like going with this trend and I know that you, we have talked about trends before on this show, that how much mm-hmm. do you look back at what we've seen and how much do you apply that to the future. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with it as simple as this, guys. The first three games for New Orleans allow 28 to Houston, 27 to the Rams, 27 to Seattle. Fine. Mm. But now watch this back and forth. So 27 to Seattle, 10 to Dallas, 24 to Tampa Bay, 6 to Jacksonville. 25 to Chicago, 9 to Arizona, 26 to Atlanta. So that means New Orleans, they've been going, they played a better defensive game after getting lit up. Now, I did say I did like Tampa Bay earlier, but this feels like, guys, that this can be, even though Tampa Bay has been on a monster overrun and are coming off an over again last week against Arizona, this could feel like, seriously, and you may think I'm nuts. A 20 to 14 game, something like that, somewhere in that range, that this can be a low scoring game just because Tampa Bay has been so awful that maybe they shored up this week and maybe the Saints, you know, at least offensively, let's wait and see what they'll do after the Atlanta game. Because again, it's easy to snap your finger and say, well, Drew Brees is just going to light up. Tampa Bay just because they didn't play well against Atlanta because Tampa Bay's defense isn't good. But Tampa Bay's rush defense is still pretty good. That's one thing that we can say about the Bucs. Maybe their pass defense isn't good. We know it's not. But the, run, the, the rushing defense has still been very good this year. It's one of the tops in the NFL. So this can be yeah. a game that maybe gets into the early 40s. And that's it. I'd say stay under. I'm with you. I'm actually with you on that. And I'm sure there's a few jabronis down in New Orleans on radio saying, go back to Bridgewater, which is absolutely stupid at this point. But uh, listen, the offense was atrocious last week. Let's move on to Houston and Baltimore. This is a one o'clock game. The game total has moved from 49, and now you can get it to 49 and a half to 50. Baltimore opened as four five point favorites now. You can get in mostly at four points in these books. So Houston. Uh, no J.J. Watt. Defensively, you know, they've, they've struggled a little bit more than I thought. The Ravens have scored 38 points in the last three. They've given up 16 points per game in their last three. And these they're not playing bad teams. I mean, Seattle, 
New England, and then of course, you know, beating up on on Cincinnati. But boy, Baltimore right now looks like the best team in the AFC to me. You know, they do hold in, and I really wonder if I'm not going to call this the letdown because you would have thought the Bengals game would have been the letdown, but Cincinnati's so bad that the Ravens were just going to steamroll them. And you go back, impressive win against New England, impressive win at Seattle. Now you're favored against Houston, and the Ravens have not been a great favorite this year. They covered in the opener against the Dolphins. Then they went four straight games as a favorite not covering before they covered against the Bengals this past Sunday. We know what Lamar Jackson can do. We saw the spin move touchdown, and he's been fantastic so far this year. But it kind of feels like Houston's a little lost in the shuffle just because they're off the bye. They played in London two weeks ago in the early morning game against Jacksonville. And, you know, you look at their last few wins, Jacksonville, middle of the road team, they beat up Oakland. They just got by. And, you know, even before that, they did lose to the Colts. They've lost to Carolina at home. So really, and losing to New Orleans, they're all quality teams they've lost to. So Houston has not had a bad loss so far on its ledger this season. I think getting the bye week has been helpful for them. And, uh, you know, in spite of J.J. Watt not playing, Deshaun Watson, you know, you look at the two quarterbacks, and Lamar is getting all the run, but Deshaun still had a very good season. I think the Texans are a play here. All right, we'll get to the game total in a minute too, K-Rodge, because I really think it's fascinating there. But let's talk Lamar Jackson, DFS. He is priced all the way up. He's the number one quarterback. He's rushed for four touchdowns over his last four weeks. He's got at least one rushing touchdown. Uh, over those weeks, he's just been terrific. It it almost reminds me of Mahomes last year, Dan, where he was just such a difference maker from every other quarterback. And that's what you're getting. You're getting a floor of what sixty yards rushing. <laughs> he's scoring touchdowns left and right. I mean, it really is amazing what Lamar Jackson's doing right now. Yeah, I mean, his prop rushing prop last week was higher than a lot of the running backs uh, mm-hmm. out there on Sunday. And you're right, every week he seemingly gets it done. Uh, only once has he been under 20 fantasy points, and he's been over 30 four different times. So uh, the problem with me here is you do get a big price jump on him. And I really don't like playing teams coming off a bye, especially like mm-hmm. Houston is here. Extra time to prepare. Uh, especially for more of a gimmicky type of offense like, you know, uh, Baltimore has. not gimmicky in a nice way. I mean, it's just something that you need to have extra preparation for. And uh, for that reason, I don't know if I'm going to go to Lamar this week. I mean, obviously it gives you huge upside, um, but I just don't love the price. I think on FanDuel you can make it work where the, the pricing is a little bit softer, but I will not be going there on cash games on draft games this week. I just don't think he fits the salary cap. And then the other plays on the Baltimore side, I mean, Ingram, he's still too expensive. I mean, the guy hasn't seen like 20 carries all year long, and he's 6.6 on DraftKings and 7.5 on FanDuel. just makes zero sense, so that's an easy fade. Uh, Marquise Brown, I think he's fine in tournaments if you want to play him with Lamar Jackson, but still a, a guy that you know on his own I think is way too risky and does not play – enough snaps or have enough volume and and the same could maybe even be said for Andrews I mean last week he got off got his two touchdowns but he still played less snaps than Nick Boyle and Hunter Hurst now that game was a blowout so maybe there's a reason for that but still a guy who's not on the field all game long and hasn't been most of this year so uh, I just don't know if I want to pay up at tight end so I think this is kind of a a void spot maybe even on both sides because I'm not seeing a lot on Houston I love uh, by the way, Lamar Jackson is the 11th uh, leading rusher with 702 yards. He's played nine games, and there's three players that have played 10 games. So he's a top 10 running back right now, as well as a pretty good quarterback, too. Houston side, um, maybe a lot of people are going to be overlooking Deshaun Watson, probably fade the running game there. Nick Hopkins, anybody else on the Houston side that maybe you could either run it back with or go with uh, on the other side of Lamar Jackson's if you're not going to play Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I mean, in tournaments, you, you, you can make anything go. And, you know, I think that's where I'm looking at the Houston side if you're running some Jackson lineups out there. Um, I mean, Duke Johnson's kind of interesting. He's 4K on DraftKings, four more targets and four straight. And that kind of floor is is nice, especially if you view that they're going to be playing catch up because he's going to be in there over mm-hmm. Carlos Hyde. So in that sort of game script where you're where you're playing a Lamar Jackson, I think he's somewhat interesting. 
Uh, Will Fuller is supposed to be back, uh, another guy who's had huge games this season. He's got great rapport with Deshaun Watson for his career, 5.8 on DraftKings, somewhat reasonable. Again, tournament only. And then um, last guy, maybe Darren Fells. I mean, played 90 and 84% of the snaps the last two weeks. And you can do worse than him at 3.8K. I mean, he's probably not going to win you a tournament, but – uh, if he gets you two touchdowns at 3.8, you know, you're you're set. So n- despite like a pretty high total here at, at almost 50, it's just not a game that I- I'm particularly interested in. I just don't think there's a lot of great value in it. Yeah, so that's what we got, K-Raj, 50, 51, right in the middle there. You got two just transcendent quarterbacks right now. They're changing the, the way the position is being played. Um, defensively, the Ravens have been on fire, though. So give me your thoughts on the on the game total. I'd probably go under here when you see the last two weeks for Baltimore. They have uh, flown over the total. No pun intended. That really wasn't supposed to happen. That came out just the wrong way. But the, uh, the Patriots game, they scored 37. The Bengals, they scored 49. Both games went over the total. 44.5 against the Patriots, 44 against the Bengals. And now you're almost at 50. And Houston off the bye, even though there was a good trend that one of our handicappers noted on VI last week, that teams coming off the London game, then off obviously they're off the bye, they've gone over the total at a pretty good clip. Now, it went one and one last week with the Bengals because they played the Rams uh, in London. So the Bengals-Ravens uh, game easily went over, but the Rams-Steelers game went under. So we'll see if that trend uh, you know, kind of goes away. But as far as Houston goes, even their last few games, going back to the Kansas City game, they scored 31. Last three, they've scored 23, 27, and 26. So, you know, they're not lighting the world on fire either, but uh, they are running the ball well, and uh, that probably means they're going to bleed some clock. So I'd probably say this is an underplay. Uh, Let's move on to, I mean, probably the highest profile game of the week. Although Chicago and the Rams, you got big markets there, but New England and Philadelphia, 425. Eastern time, line open at three. Now it's sitting at three and a half just about everywhere. You can't get a minus uh, a minus five on that. And it opened at 46 over under, bet down to 44 and a half, 45. New England is coming off the bye, if I'm correct. And then uh, Philadelphia, oof, I don't know which Philadelphia we're going to get, K-Raj. Uh, I do know that New England's on a mission, though, and even though they're on the road, they're road favorites. So what do you got on this one? This will be interesting. Yeah, we'll get to Philadelphia in a second. Uh, the Patriots off the bye, and look, I don't think it's that shocking they lost to the Ravens. I think probably how it happened was shocking, but that line was dropping, you know, during the week, and a lot of people love Baltimore. So, you know, I don't look at New England and say, "Oh, well, what are they going to do now, losing to Baltimore?" You know, it just only hurts for tiebreaker if it got to that point. If the Patriots lost a few more games. But you know, New England has still been been great this year, and they had a slip up against a really good team, and now they have uh, a week to at least uh, mull it over. And you got to think that the Patriots would uh, somewhat refocus. And I don't care what these guys say, guys. I, I really don't. But they remember what happened uh, losing to the Eagles a few years ago in the Super Bowl. That you know things may have changed. Nick Foles isn't there anymore. It's Carson Wentz back at quarterback. That game didn't mean much. I, I mean, or the, the correlation of that was that game, this is a new game. I think that they still have that fresh in their minds. And I look at Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is one of these teams that there's probably about four or five teams in the league you just cannot figure out on a weekly basis. Tennessee is definitely in that uh, in that class. That you, you see them one week play well, then the next week they play awful. You're like, which team is it? Philadelphia kind of feels the same way. And they did have a really nice win at Buffalo coming off the back-to-back blowout losses at Dallas and Minnesota. And they jumped out to uh, a nice lead against Chicago. And the Bears still kind of hung around in that game uh, a few weeks ago. So Philadelphia also off the bye. And so now you got two teams off the bye like we saw last week with Atlanta and New Orleans. But uh, with all that being said, I got to go with the Patriots here, thinking that they, they rebound on the road and for Philadelphia, even though they do have some good wins, uh, you know, winning at Green Bay earlier in the year, and even the Buffalo win, that's still a 6-2 and two team. 
mean, now they just lost to Cleveland. But I, I think that the Patriots take care of business here. Hey, Dan, DFS here. So I want to start with the passing game. I want to start actually with wide receivers because this is interesting. You got Edelman at 18 points per game. Now Sanu is in there, though, and it looks like they've got a very good connection, Brady and Sanu, too. On the other side, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, he's questionable. We'll see what's going on there. I think he's going to be okay. And I guess I'll add a couple of running backs into the passing game mix. Um, more of a cash game play, I think, would be James White. And what's your take on Miles Sanders? Yeah, this is interesting because the Philadelphia side is really priced down because they factor in the matchup. Mm-hmm. And obviously, New England's been an elite defense this year. So, like, almost every skill position player they have is like sub 5K. Um, but this is a spot, though, where Philadelphia, I mean, they are right there. I mean, they're tied with, with Dallas in the division. And despite how bad they played, I don't know if they're. They're really all that bad of a team. And then you look at New England. I mean, when they finally played a good team, I mean, if you look at their schedule this year, I mean, you could not have in a, written up a, a better start for them from a, an opponent-wise. They finally played somebody halfway decent. They got run out of the building. So I don't know if their defense is quite as good as kind of the numbers indicate. So I, I think there could be some value here. You know, Sanu, 14 targets last game against Baltimore. Obviously, that game script was really in that favor, um, 81 in a touch. And he played 100% of snaps that game, which I think is the big thing to look at. He's 5,800 on DraftKings, 51 on, uh, or 58 on FanDuel, and 51 on DraftKings. That 58 on FanDuel is really low to get him under 6K. I think he'll be a top target over there. And Edelman, I mean, he's priced up to 7-6 on DraftKings. That's a that's a pretty premium number on a wide receiver, especially one that stricts kind of daily uh, or ideally in volume. So I think that's probably a pass for me in this game. But I'm glad that you brought up the Philly side because Alshon, he is under $5,000 on DraftKings. He's 4.8K, and yep. he's their number one wide receiver. I mean, they had to go out and make their annual signing of Jordan Matthews feels feels like every year they go out and sign this guy halfway through the season. So um, they don't have a lot of people to, to, to throw it to. And I think Alshon is a great value, assuming he's healthy to go. You brought up Miles Sanders. Both he and Howard are, are fairly cheap on this. And the problem with Sanders is I really want to play him, but you're, you're just banking on him breaking something. And that's really, really risky to, to be playing, especially in any sort of cash games. I feel like the passing is going to be there on the dump-offs, but, what, 10 carries only once over the last five weeks is, is not going to cut it for me. And, and then the last two guys to talk about are Ertz and, and Wentz. Yes. I mean, Wentz has been so bad this year. He's got one touchdown, um, over, or over one touchdown just once in his last five games. This is a guy who was, you know, three or four touchdowns seemingly every single week last year before he got hurt. So, um, man, I feel like it's going to come at some point in time. Nobody's going to play him here versus New England. I think he's a sneaky GPP play based on the price, the fact that it's going to allow you to get a guy like Ezekiel Elliott or Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and you can pair him up with those wide receivers or even Zach Ertz. He's $5,000 this week on DraftKings. Pretty reasonable. So I like the prices enough that I think – they're uh, they're relevant this week in in DFS, and I actually think Philadelphia can win this game. I'm trying to figure out what the hell's going on with Ertz. So Goddard had four targets last week. Ertz caught nine of eleven. Uh, yeah. Before that, I mean, he's getting low single digit targets. I don't know which way to go. It's almost like you're throwing a dart with Zach Ertz. I I still don't feel good about Goddard, but no, Ertz, I, I, what are you doing? They have like I said, they've got nobody else right now. I mean. Are Sega Whiteside? Uh, do they do they want to play the kid from from USC that Aguilar seemingly drops every pass they throw him? Uh, I mean they don't they don't have anything. So uh, I think it's it's going back to what got you there, what would what, what has been successful in the past. And guess what? That that's been Zach Ertz. So let's let's feed him the football. Hey, is Howard an option on Fanduel? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he gets the goal line looks, and obviously PPR is not really important over there. No. Uh, it's probably not the value that I'm that I'm using this week. Uh, K. Raj over under forty five. Feel like that's a little bit low. You? 
Yeah, I'm with you, Holden. I, I think that this could be an overlook just because let's look back at what Philadelphia has done at home this year. I, I know in the opener against the Redskins, and it just seems so long ago that Washington jumped out of the gate up 17 nothing. That turned out to be a high-scoring game, and that easily went over the total. The Detroit game went over the total as well. But then the last two. The Jets without Darnold, that was mm-hmm. the that, that was the Luke Falk experiment, and it was just a disaster, and the Jets scored six points. And then with Trubisky, and, and, and we know what Trubisky hasn't done so far this year. The Bears had nine yards of offense in the first half of that game. So now you're getting Tom Brady. I mean, you go from those two, and, and again, just going back to the Super Bowl a few years ago, and, and I know it's hard to go back that far even in today's NFL, but when you look at the numbers Brady put up against that Eagles defense, and I also think that scoring the 20 against Baltimore, who, again, Baltimore is a fantastic defense, that they will get their points against the Eagles. But also, like Dan has mentioned, with the the schedule that New England has had, that that was the first big test was Baltimore, and the Ravens were able to uh, exploit them a bit, that even the Eagles, they are capable of scoring points, that you could see both these teams end up getting uh, somewhere in the 20s and going over this total. Yeah, 45 just uh... – <laughs> It does. It doesn't make sense to me uh, at this point, and I wonder if it gets bit uh, back up as the week well, goes I mean, on. Uh, Holden, I think it's everybody's still believing New England's an elite defense. defense right. I mean, that's they've. They've. I mean, if you take that Baltimore game out, they've been one of the best defenses statistically, like ever ever seen. Um, so I still think that's kind of baked into this line, but. You know, Baltimore didn't just win. They scored 37 freaking points on them. So, like, I, I just think that they were playing way over their head. So, yeah, I'm and, with you guys. And the Patriots offense is – I mean, listen, they're not putting up 40 points every week, but no. Brady still has some weapons. James White's more involved now. They can run the football. Sonny Michelle's come out of his slumber. And Philadelphia's defense is nothing to write home about. No. I mean, we've, said, we've talked about it all the time on this show is that secondary, you can beat them, beat them up going downfield. So, you, you know, Brady's familiar with that walking into this matchup. So I, I, I love the over. I think that is absolutely the sharp play. on this All right. Th- three on the over. Three for three. So, you know, it's going to go way under. It's going to be like <laughs> six to three final score. Uh, we got another one o'clock game here. Let's go back to one o'clock Dallas at Detroit now. This is off the books at a lot of places, and I'm thinking it's because of Stafford. But there are a couple of books that are still open on it. Open at two and a half. I'm seeing Dallas four and a half point favorites in the over under between. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a couple of big swings here, fifty and forty nine and fifty. So, K. Raj, I guess you know early in the week. First of all, how do you handle that? Where most of the books are off a game, but there are a couple that are still on it. I think that they want to put out this number thinking that Stafford's not going to play, and that's what it seemed like with all the news. Mm. And now they just want a little more confirmation probably, uh, you know, unless Detroit goes a different direction at quarterback, which, I mean, who knows, but they'll probably start Driscoll again. But the news didn't sound very favorable on Stafford coming back this week. I haven't thought, just going back to last week with the Chicago game, that uh, Saturday we find out all this stuff is going on with Matt Stafford. Like, I don't think that Saturday he got hurt. It just seemed very odd of the timing of it, and that line jumped uh, big time against Chicago on Sunday when they announced that he was not going to play and that Jeff Driscoll was going to start. And, I mean, you look at the numbers, and they had two early field goals. They scored a late touchdown. It was more of Detroit's defense shutting down Mitchell Trubisky, which isn't a hard thing to do. That kept the Lions in that game for a while before the Bears kind of opened it up. But as far as this game goes, I mean, we have to be under the assumption Stafford's not going to play. And now, Detroit- Why do we have to be under the assumption? I mean, the guy's an Iron Man, right? So he had a hundred and something straight games last, and he had been banged up. I think he'd be questionable the week before. But why do we have to assume he's not going to play? I'm not saying you're wrong, but I just I don't understand why we're assuming that. No, you're you're a hundred percent right. There's no disputing that because you know this news flash. I'm going to tell you guys right here on this show. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> and I'm not a doctor for the Detroit Lions, so I just want to put that out there right now. I only play a doctor yeah. when I'm going over games. Okay, but but it just seems when you talk about vertebrae and these other like you're going to sit out that game, but you need a few days to rest, you'll be fine. Like that's just where it seemed like. 
it seems unrealistic. That doesn't mean yeah. I'm going to pull the trigger on Dallas on Tuesday. You know, let's wait and see. But also the, the the timing of it, like I said before, was a little odd on why they announced that so late in the week. That and, and maybe you're right, Holden, that he wanted to play so badly, but they said, look, we had to wait till Saturday. You're not good to go. We can't have you go. We just do you think that four and a half is based on Stafford being in or out? I think that's based on him being out. Really? So is Detroit just like a one-point dog if he's in there? Is that a three-point swing? How how valuable is Matt Stafford? Who, by the way, when we get to him at DFS, has just been sensational from a, sta- a fantasy standpoint. But, um, like, how much is he worth? You know what? And, again, I know we have two different conversations on this show that yeah. I, I focus on the gambling and, and Dan talks about the DFS. And you're 100% right about Stafford's fantasy numbers, but the truth of the matter is Detroit's lost five of six. The only win came against the Giants, who just lost to the Jets. So, really, not say how valuable is Stafford, but they've struggled recently. And they have two early wins. They beat the Eagles. They beat the Chargers at home. And, and they blew that game against Arizona in the tie. They should have won. But – They've been good recently, and that's why I say how valuable is Stafford, but flip it around to Dallas now, and you say, well, the Cowboys coming off this tough loss to Minnesota where Kirk Cousins finally broke through and beat a team with a winning record, beat them on the road, but uh, also with the Cowboys, who have they beaten? They're 5-4, and past Philadelphia, which was a really good one on Sunday night, the Giants, who aren't good, Dolphins aren't good, Redskins aren't good, and Oh, the Giants with Eli at the beginning of the season. So really, Dallas has one quality win out of five, and they're a five and four team. Dan, DFS side. So we want the Lions to be down if we got Stafford. Just throw, throw, throw. They have no running game whatsoever. I mean, this is amazing. Yeah. On the other side with Dallas, you know, I think at this point, Ezekiel Elliott was their best offensive option the last few years. He's not he's probably their third best offensive option now. He hasn't gotten going. This is a game where I am completely torn on both sides, Dan. Clear this up for me here. You know, Galladay scores last week, but he doesn't have a big game because Driscoll's in there. If Stafford's in there, Galladay is back. No running game on the Detroit side. What the hell's going on there? Hawkinson continues to disappoint from a DFS perspective. I'm completely off of him. On the other side, tight end with Dallas. Is Jarwin just going to score a touchdown on three catches and 35 yards? Is it going to be Witten this week? It's just really tough for me to pinpoint what's going on. Besides for Dak Prescott it, and maybe Gallup and Cobb, because we've seen Amari Cooper flash at home and just go away on the road. Yeah, I think you're overlooking the matchup here. It's Detroit. Second most fantasy points allowed to running backs. Uh, you know, coming off a bad game of, what, 47 yards against a pretty tough defense there in Minnesota. Like, this smells like a smash spot for Zeke Elliott. I mean, this, mm. is, this is the same spot last week where everybody was on David Montgomery. Now, given the salary was <laughs> much lower than <laughs> we have out. here. But, but Zeke Elliott, I mean, he still has been getting the volume. Even last game, he, you know, he, it's not like they didn't give him touches. But I think this matchup is so perfect for him that when you look at the price discrepancy from him to Christian McCaffrey – I think you got to think long and hard about it because uh, he's fifteen hundred dollars less than McCaffrey. So if you just ask yourself, okay, if I, I take Zeke instead of McCaffrey, I can upgrade another position fifteen hundred dollars. That's usually a pretty darn big upgrade in DFS on DraftKings. So uh, I I love him this week. Now I, I'm not gonna lie, I've been kind of off on a lot of these high end running backs. I've liked a lot of Saquon Barkley spots that haven't panned out, but but this one uh, I'm gonna be in on Zeke this week. I mean Cooper. He was absolutely unstoppable last night, but there's really no value in his price. Uh, Dak Prescott, super consistent. He's fine to play as well. I'd probably rather play him than, than Cooper just because, uh, you know, he can he can swing it out to Elliott to get some fantasy points if he needs to. But uh, bottom line is uh, I'm just on Zekio Elliott on the Dallas side. And obviously that Dallas D, if Detroit ends up playing Dr- Jeff Driscoll, because, you know, here's the thing to remember. Detroit, they've got no running game, but they also are facing the, the defense that's allowed the second least amount of fantasy points to wide receivers this season. Uh, again, some of that schedule uh, you know, has to do with the schedule that they played, but still, this isn't like a, a smash spot anyway for the one position that I feel like Detroit's pretty good at, and that's the wide receiver spot. So I like Dallas in this game a lot. Um, the only guy in Detroit that I'm considering is TJ Hawkinson here. 
Um, he's 3.6K, and third most fantasy points allowed uh, are the Dallas Cowboys uh, so far this season. So he's a cheap enough option where if you want a piece of Detroit with some Dallas, he might be the guy I go with because the wide receivers just aren't cheap enough. Bottom line. You know, when I look at FanDuel and I see Jacobs $400 less than Zeke Elliott, they both have similar matchups there. Yeah. I think I'd just go Jacobs um, on that side. Uh, but- I mean – Play both. Play both those guys. Yeah, you can. But I mean, if I'm if I'm looking at these two, Jacobs is priced so far down from Zeke on DraftKings. I mean, I just don't see the reason to go with Zeke. But when we do the show next week, and you're talking about 35 Zeke Elliott uh, PPR points, then I'll, I'll first of all forget. Second of all, you know, I just think there's better options at a price range. No, I mean you're you're right. But I think that's more of an indication of how good of a play Josh Jacobs is on DraftKings than, you know, just play him on FanDuel. I think I think he might be overpriced on FanDuel a little bit because I don't think he can hold a candle to Zeke this week, and they're that close in price. So yeah. I think you were kind of right in what you were saying. I just think that the context was wrong. Just play him on DraftKings, yeah. and then don't worry about him on FanDuel. I think I'm always right, Dan. So, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. <laughs> of course. You're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a host. No, I'm wrong a lot, too. believe in yourself. Uh, Dallas, Detroit, over-under. So – I guess, K-Rod, you got to go both sides, right? Stafford plays 49, 49 and a half. It, was, it opened at 51 and a half. Stafford doesn't play. Is it, a, is, it, is it an under? I would recommend an under if Stafford doesn't play, just because I don't know how much Jeff Driscoll can take this offense uh, down the field. But on the flip side, if Stafford somehow plays, again, we don't know how healthy he is. Like, you know, he's going to go out there. If he plays, we know that he's going to – give whatever he has, but also we don't know if one hit can then knock him back out again mm-hmm. and then bring Driscoll back. But uh, the key number, and I've said this uh, all season with the Cowboys, is 31. In all five games this year that the Cowboys have won, they've scored 31 points or more. So Dallas scores a bunch of points, they'll win these games. And you look at the games they've lost, they scored 24 against Minnesota, 22 against the Jets, 24 against Green Bay, 10 against New Orleans. So this is a team that their offense busts out, they'll be fine. When they don't, then they're in trouble. And when you flip it over to the Lions, and they had a good defensive effort against the Giants a few weeks ago. Saquon Barkley had a late touchdown to get the backdoor cover, but also they gave up 42 to the Vikings at home, gave up 34 to the Chiefs, also include a defensive touchdown. And now you're facing a Cowboys team that has the ability to bust out. But also, this could be a 31-10 game, too. So it it could go that way. I mean, Dallas really has had some cupcakes, haven't they? Jets, Giants. Twice. But Detroit's a cupcake. They're they're bad. Yeah. uh, The biggest thing to me is they don't have a running game. Like, you're one-dimensional, and now you're going to run Driscoll out there. If, If you run Driscoll out there, just have him run. He can run. Uh, last game here, guys, Cincinnati at Oakland, 425. Open at 48, sitting 48, 48 and a half. Game total, eight is where it opened. Now it's sitting at uh, Oakland minus 10 and a half. So this is interesting here, K-Rod. Cincinnati's the worst team in the NFL. We thought the Dolphins were – the Dolphins can't tank properly. Uh, the Bengals can. And, but it actually seems like they're trying. They're just such a bad football team. You know, AJ Green's not coming back. You got a garbage at quarterback right now with Finley. Defensively, they're a disaster. I mean, Oakland at home, it's tough for me to see them really having that hard a time with Cincinnati. Yes or no? Oh, they're going to have a hard time? Look, uh, this I'm, I'm, I'm cold and I'm looking at the situation. I, I really – look, you can't dispute the Bengals are bad. They have no wins. You can't dispute that. And then they pulled the plug on Andy Dalton. It's not like he was playing well either. But they just faced a Baltimore team that we could say is a top-two team in the AFC, right? Is that fair to say? I think they're the best right okay, now. Okay, fine. One or two in the AFC. Oakland came back and beat the Chargers in that back-and-forth game last Thursday night, a game that uh, Josh Jacobs doesn't score there. I mean, the Chargers leave with a win where you know the Raiders were benefited by a couple Phillip Rivers turnovers. They're coming off a close win against Detroit, coming off a close win against the Chargers, and now all of a sudden you're a double-digit favorite for the first time this year. I mean, heck, they haven't even given up – or they haven't been this high of a favorite – 
I'm looking at the numbers here, guys. Their highest favorite role was two and a half against Detroit. Now you're laying ten and a half against the Bengals. And understandably, the Bengals can't score. And in the last few games, they haven't scored over 17. In fact, they haven't scored over 23 in a game this year. That came against Arizona. So in Arizona, we know is bad defensively. But I just look at situation. That that's the way I feel with this. Oakland, third of three at home coming off of two really big games, off a huge divisional game. I just don't see how Derek Carr is going to light them up necessarily. I think Derek Carr and the offense will will kind of just grind it out, and that's what he's done this year. I I think this number is way too high. Oh, I like that. You know, K-Rives, you gave me the K-Rives face. You're like, "Mm, you made some great arguments there. I got to tell you, you know, I'm just looking at this. Cincinnati is uh, one and five against the spread in their last six. Don't know if that matters to you. And only the only double digit spread there was the 10 and a half last week. So that's fine. Uh, and you know what? Look, they, they haven't been good the last few weeks, but if you want the counter, they lost to the Ravens. We uh-huh. talked about them. They lost to the Rams in London, the Rams. I know they just lost to Pittsburgh, but the Rams still a Super Bowl team from last year. They hung with Jacksonville for a while in that game. Then Andy Dalton totally imploded in the fourth quarter, the Arizona game. They lost in a last second field goal. They got a backdoor against Baltimore the first time around. So, yeah, they were competitive against Baltimore, but the other games they they hung, and I know that's not good enough sometimes in betting, but I just look at this that they can't be any worse than they were against Baltimore, and I don't know how much better the Raiders can be the last two weeks than the last two weeks. You know, Dan, I think this I, I am glad you brought this game up because it is fascinating from a DFS perspective here. Um, I still have a hard time, you know, trusting Derek Carr, even in cash at this point. And I know the matchup is just terrific and Oakland hasn't done a nice job against quarterbacks either, but Ryan Finley, and what are we going to do with Finley? Right. He ran for 22 yards. What? No, you're not messing with that. No, you're not messing with either quarterback there, but I think the interesting guy, and again, I think Jacob's got to be in your lineups this week. This is my guy, uh, Joe Mixon. This is two straight weeks. Joe Mixon was garbage up until the Rams game where he had 15.7 on FanDuel. Um, he had four catches. So what, you had 17.7 on DraftKings. Last week ran for 114 yards against Baltimore. He also caught two catches uh, for 37 yards. Talk to me about this running game here and where you stand on Joe Mixon now after the last two weeks. Yeah, he's a, definitely an interesting name to consider because um, you're right. Like he's been we left for dead, and then the last two weeks is uh, risen and didn't really, really, really good. And uh, he's still priced pretty moderately at five point five k. And I, I think it's a situation where you, if you're Coach Zach Taylor, it's like Ryan Finley. Like, do we really want to throw passes with this guy? No, we don't. Um, and that's why I actually think the under is super interesting in this game. And and I think uh, a part of that is that we've seen them commit here a little bit to the run game, which naturally is going to slow down the pace. And uh, I think he's viable. I don't love it. I, I don't think I'd go there in cash games, but I definitely think he's somebody you can play in tournaments just because of the salary that he has. And then the other guy maybe to consider is Tyler Boyd. I mean, the, Oakland secondary has still been pretty atrocious for the better part of the year. And in eight for 62 is not a great line, but it's actually pretty good when you consider that he was matched up a lot with Marlon Humphrey of Baltimore last week, who I think is one of the top corners in the league. So I think he's not going to be facing that level of competition this week. So he's still pretty moderately priced. I think we can consider him. And then we talked about Jacobs again. I think he's a great play on DraftKings, probably not doing it on FanDuel. But the bottom line is Oakland. Oakland has the highest team total of any team on the slate at 29.5 points. They have to come from somewhere, and I'm almost feeling like they think their defense is going to do some of this damage because obviously we saw Finley give up uh, two defensive touchdowns last week just because the playmakers really aren't there outside of Jacobs. And he's even a guy who's kind of more of a – don't take this the wrong way, Josh Jacobs family, but more of a plotter type guy. He's not Alvin Kamara – uh, or Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, I just am not convinced that the likes of Tyrell Williams and Hunter Renfro uh, and Darren Waller, who is great to start the year but been really average the last couple weeks, is going to necessarily hit that 29.5 implied total for this game. So I think this is an underspot. I think Waller's one guy we can consider with a decrease in price, but 
outside of Jacobs, uh, I don't, I'm not really touching this pass game too much, I think. I'm concerned about Waller because you're going to have to pick the one game he's going to hit 20 points. He's had two games where he's hit 20 points, and the rest, what is it? Here's the last three games, eight, six, five and a half, and half point PPR. But you know, I mean, Darren Ertz Waller was, concerns me. Yeah. Er, but, you know, we saw the same thing with Ertz. Like, they're, they're, you, you basically try to find the time to buy low on these guys, and – it feels like this could be a spot here against Cincinnati. Well, I mean, we saw last week um, Mark Andrews had two touchdowns versus this Bengals defense at the tight end position. So uh, I'm okay going back to Waller here with this high implied team. Uh, what about the total? You just heard Dan talk about it, K-Raj. 48 now up to 48 and a half. Well, it is very tough to trust the Bengals to score a bunch of points. And, you know, last week seeing what the Raiders – see, this is the funny thing that – Going into that Raiders-Chargers game, everyone talked about how bad the Raiders' pass defense was, and it's the worst in the league, at least from a passing uh, standpoint. And Phillip Rivers had the most passing yards in the league going into that game last week. And the Raiders did a pretty good job of silencing Phillip Rivers as much as they can. And uh, they got a few interceptions on him. They had another one called back due to an offsides. And now, you know, you would say, all right, are the Raiders going to revert back to not being great from a pass defense standpoint? Well, I mean, they were facing Ryan Finley this week. So I don't know if he's going to necessarily light them up. But I just think that this is a game that it could be ugly. It could end up being both teams in the 20s, maybe, or if Cincinnati even gets that far. But this could easily be a 24-17 game where it stays under the total and the Bengals cover. It's ugly. That's ugly on the Bengals' side. Hey, we got a, this wasn't on the list. We got another uh, great uh, Redskins game against the Jets. Looking forward to that one. <laughs> Every week, it's like Washington's in a game. It's just, it's just the worst game on the slate. Doesn't it feel like there's more really terrible teams this year in the NFL than ever before? Like, it, it used to be a league of parity where, like, oh, even the worst teams are going to be the, the, the bottom tier of the NFL right now, the Bengals. Uh, the Redskins, Dolphins, the Dolphins, uh, the Jets, Jets Giants, I mean, Giants. There are, <laughs> there's so many bad teams here. I'll tell you the problem, guys. I know why. In all seriousness, is the AFC East is playing the NFC East interconference, and we, we're seeing all these teams play each other because the Bengals, it feels like, are kind of are, are left on the side of the highway because we don't get to see them, but you know we keep seeing Giants, Jets. Jets, Redskins, Dolphins, Jets, Dolphins, Giants. We keep Great seeing point. these matchups every week. That's I think that's the other issue too. That and the Bengals. I mean, whoever the Bengals are playing, but uh, you know, you just go with the other side where the Bengals are playing. All right, guys, that's terrific. Really uh, had a good time today. Thanks for waking me up. I appreciate that. Lines and lineups, week eleven. So, Dan, what else we got here? We got the Sharp Side app. We got Monkey Night Fight. We got FanDuel single entry series. Lots going on on, on our side. Yeah, one of the cool things we got going on Roto Grinders, if you hear us talk about our premium product and you want to be able to try it for three months at relatively low cost, we've got a, a promo going with Monkey Knife Fight and a site called Super Draft, where uh, basically you just click through our link on our front page. You can't miss it and make a deposit on either of those two sites and you'll get premium free for the next three months. So, you know, it's like $120 value for you just for making a deposit over on either of those two sites. So a great way to, to try DFS and, and get our premium content for it for not very much. By the way, if you play NBA, they have been absolutely on fire. My co-host uh, on Sundays, JSU, just won another 100 grand. So, I mean, the guy last night. Not yep. Bad. And, of course, I gave him the picks. Hey, K-Rodge. <laughs> not really. K-Rodge, what do you got going on at Vegas Insider? Just We're lines? Busy. We're, we're, we're lines. That's all. We got lines. We have some lines. lineups. Uh, no, we got so much going on. College football is a few weeks left, and then we'll have the bowl season. The NFL, obviously, we still got a ways to go. NBA just started. College basketball is underway. There's a thousand games a night in college basketball, but uh, there's a lot of good opportunities, and that's the good thing is that at least every day, like you have in DFS, we have the same thing with uh, all these sports. There's plenty of good opportunities. You have a lot of uh, college basketball tournaments coming up later in the month, uh, a lot of good non-conference matchups. So there's just plenty going on. This is not a dead time at all. This is a very busy time, and uh, it's just something that (sighs) keeps us awake. Yeah, late June, July, we just are pining for this time of the year. It's a great time of year. NBA, NHL, college basketball, NFL, college football it's all going nuts all right guys uh for dan bach and of course k rog and then devin back in the nashville studios doing great week 11 lines and lineups in the book i'm holding kushner we'll catch you next week